Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Infectious Disease Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Meredith. This episode features content regarding ART safety and tolerability in patients with cardiometabolic toxicities. During this podcast, Dr. Priscilla Sue, Professor of Medicine at UCSF, and Dr. Jens Lundgren, Professor at the University of Copenhagen, discuss key considerations when managing patients with HIV and weight gain and cardiometabolic toxicities. For more information about Dr. Priscilla Sue and Dr. Jens Lundgren, and for a link to the full online educational program, please visit the link in the show notes for this episode. Now let's get started and hear what they have to say about ARV-related weight gain and cardiometabolic toxicities. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this program on state-of-the-art of safety and tolerability of HIV treatments in patients with cardiometabolic toxicities. Uh, my name is uh, Jens Sundgren from the University of Copenhagen, and I'm happy to introduce Priscilla Shu. Priscilla, please. Uh, thanks, Jens. Uh, I'm Priscilla Shu. I'm at UCSF. Delighted to um, do this today. Thank you. We have a patient case, and this is a 59-year-old uh, HIV-infected gentleman who is Caucasian and a male. He has treated and suppressed disease. He's currently on uh, bisotegraphir, FTC, TAF. He comes to the clinic with these new complaints of weight gain. He does not smoke. He has no prior history of coronary artery disease or diabetes. His uh, CD4 count is in the 300s and 400s. His viral load's undetectable. He's had a recent increase in BMI. His HDL cholesterol is 36, LDL of 92. His total cholesterol is 180. He is not taking medications for his blood pressure or cholesterol at this time. Um, so we'll discuss a little bit about how to ascertain his cardiovascular risk. But six months prior, it was approximately 6.6%. And currently, it is 10.3%, which is an intermediate risk. So the whole risk calculator and risk prediction in HIV has been challenging. Using traditional risk calculators, which this is one of the tends to underestimate risk in individuals living with HIV infection, particularly among individuals at intermediate or higher risk. There are several um, HIV-specific risk calculators that take into account uh, duration of HIV and HIV medications. And so those were developed by DAD and others, um, but these have not been widely used yet. So if you use the ACCHA cohort uh, calculator, it um, takes into account things like blood pressure, LDL cholesterol, diabetes, smoking, um, and um, things that you can modify depending on the calculations like aspirin and cholesterol medication. This will give a lifetime risk as well as a 10-year risk it should be used in patients who do not already have pre-existing cardiovascular disease, and it can forecast them the impact of having a, a well-controlled blood pressure or cholesterol or stopping smoking on patient risk. So generally, we consider low, um, less than 5% calculated 10-year risk, borderline about 5 to 7.4, intermediate around 7.5 to 19.9, and high is greater than 20. And just to really underline that the most important way to prevent cardiovascular disease is lifestyle modifications, um, including controlled blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes as well. Let's review the data that 
associate the antiviral treatments with uh, weight changes. The advanced trial um, presented uh, back in 2019 clearly depicted that there was increases in weight, uh, but certainly in this randomized trial, more so in people uh, that was receiving dolotigavir combination with TAP compared to dolotigavir compared to TDF. Um, and less so in people uh, that was receiving and randomized uh, to efavirates. Uh, it is also clear if this weight increase uh, were more pronounced in females uh, compared uh, to males. Among the integrase inhibitors, uh, there is not a robust and large uh, studies, uh, but this uh, compilation of results from two trials, uh, 1489 and 1490, uh, shows you the changes uh, in antiviral naive people until week, uh, week 144 uh, for people who is randomized to either BIC or dolotigavir. There appears to be a class effect here. Uh, among at least the integration inhibitors. Importantly, uh, in this compilation of uh, uh, eight randomized controlled trials uh, produced by Paul Sachs and colleagues in CID a couple of years ago, uh, it is a bigger problem for females compared to males. The group that is uh, experiencing the largest increase are black females, uh, um, uh, more so uh, than uh, white uh, females. Importantly, in this uh, meta-analysis, uh, it was also interesting to see across these eight trials uh, that, again, as we saw before, this weight increase appears to happen more frequently in people who's uh, randomized to integrase inhibitors compared to people randomized to PIs or non-nucleosides. It appears to be similar for the different integrase inhibitors, maybe less so uh, for Ibotigavir and Kobe. Uh, and again, it appears to be more pronounced, at least in antiviral treatment, this weight gain uh, in people randomized to TAF uh, compared to TDF. So I guess, uh, Priscilla, uh, why do you think this is in particular a problem for integrase inhibitors uh, that they associate with weight gain, and in a particular in, in, uh, in black females? Yeah. So that, that's a that's a million dollar question, um, Jens, and I wish I could answer that. I think we all know that there isn't. It's it's really unknown in the field. You know, there've been many different postulates. Like, is this a return to health issue, or is it that TDF is associated with weight loss as opposed to you know TAF being associated with weight gain? Are these some kind of off biologic interactions like leptin? Is it from GI tolerability of the medication? I think really unknown and just need a lot of work on this issue to better understand it. So OPERA study is a longitudinal prospective cohort analysis that looked at EHR data in approximately 8% of individuals in the U.S. who are receiving care. And this is over 100,000 individuals in 65 cities, including Puerto Rico. And this is looking particularly at individuals who switch from TDF to TAP in the U.S., um, and also individuals who switch from non-INSTE to INSTE-based regimens from 2015 to 2019. So overall here, there were over 5,479 individuals maintained on other antiretroviral therapies. These included um, 3,281 on integrase inhibitor regimens, uh, 1,452 on NNRTIs, and 746 on boosted PIs. The analysis was restricted to individuals who 
received a TDF containing three drug ART at baseline who had more than two consecutive uh, HIV RNA levels, less than 200 copies who switched from TDF to TAP. Switching to TAP was associated with early pronounced weight gain for all um, in this range from approximately 1.8 to 4.47 kilograms per year. This effect with TAP was observed in patients maintaining other ART and those switching to integrase uh, regimens, regardless of what agent was used. And over time, weight gains tended to slow down or plateau approximately nine months after the switch to TAP. So what you just heard is that it is quite clear that integrase inhibitors is, uh, is leading to weight increase in particular in some subgroups of patients, uh, females and blacks, for example. Uh, and this is seen both in people who are starting on treatment, but also in people who is already uh, on antiviral treatment and being switched. Although the weight gain among people uh, who is already on treatment uh, is less so. But also, and importantly, uh, that uh, switching, for example, from TDF to TAP uh, is associated at least apparently to an increase in weight. Uh, and then there's a number of other factors as well uh, that is associated with weight increase. Uh, we need to put all that into context, of course, because uh, what is the concern uh, with, uh, with this weight increase? Uh, recently in the RESPOND trial, uh, uh, there was an attempt to associate exposure for the first time to integrase inhibitors with whether that is affecting cardiovascular risk which could be a side effect from that weight gain. Uh, this was a large cohort of patients followed for over six years, uh, um, uh, around 30,000 people, of which around 750 developed cardiovascular uh, disease during follow-up, uh, giving an instance around five to 1,000 per years of follow-up. Uh, as you can see on the right side of the slide, uh, and quite surprisingly uh, that the uh, instance rate of cardiovascular uh, disease uh, increased slightly uh, to begin with, uh, more pronounced in the first six months, uh, and thereafter tailored off uh, compared to those who were uh, using other uh, treatments. Uh, this is a surprising result. Uh, it's obviously a pharmacovigilance uh, signal uh, that needs to be further understood, uh, uh, but it's surprising in the sense uh, that if it is actually correct, uh, which we don't know, and therefore this needs to be reproduced in other cohorts, if this would be true, it would mean that there is an immediate effect by starting on integrated inhibitors that increases risk, but that is not durable. Um, and one would have probably thought if there was a problem with weight gain, uh, that if there was a problem in terms of increased cardiovascular risk, it will only happen after some time. Again, this is an active area of investigation. What is the consequence uh, of a drug-induced weight gain? Uh, and, but this is an early signal that needs to be further investigated. So, Priscilla, based on this, what should we consider in terms of managing uh, this uh, patient um, as a physician? So I think this is a very important study um, that's providing some preliminary um, association between integrase inhibitor use, at least in the first 24 months, and cardiovascular risk. I think as you outlined, there's still many unanswered questions that we don't know about. Um, we know in the general population that weight gain itself 
is associated with diabetes, hypertension, lipid abnormalities, and also increased cardiovascular risk. I think what we don't know in the setting of HIV is this weight gain going to worsen cardiometabolic issues and then also cardiovascular disease. So kind of in the absence of that data, at this time as clinicians, I think really strongly addressing all the reversible risk factors, like keeping close tabs on uh, hypertension, lipid levels, diabetes levels, and then you know using medications to control those uh, those parameters are very important. Also, you know, carefully monitoring weight. I think it is really interesting that you know, as you alluded to, why is that risk there in the first two years and then not after? Is this, you know, from thrombotic issues? Is this something then that potentially aspirin might be useful for? Is it from immune reconstitution, inflammation? So I, I think it brings up a lot of interesting uh, questions for the future. So next uh, we have the TANGO study. And so this is a multi-center randomized open-label study, non-inferiority, looking at a switching um, dolutegravir 3TC fixed dose combination in adults on a three or four drug um, TAF-based regimen. A subset then uh, continued on TAF-based ART, and then a subset switched to dolutegravir and 3TC, and they allowed continuation of the dolutegravir 3TC regimen. Um, there were secondary exploratory analysis done looking at the impact of these regimens on weight, lipids, inflammatory biomarkers, as well as renal biomarkers. Individuals could not have HPV or HCV uh, co-infection as well. Interestingly, the changes in weight were similar between the groups. There were some fluctuations observed in patients with baseline obesity that may have been impacted by weight management interventions. There were also changes in fasting lipids that seemed to be more beneficial in the dolutegravir 3TC arm. And overall here, you can see there were minimal changes in the inflammatory or immune activation markers. The Overall, the LDL was lower in the dolutegravir 3TC arm along with triglycerides as shown on the right-hand side. However, the HDL was lower too. So this is really interesting, Priscilla. Thank you. Uh, uh, so switching to dolutegravir and 3TC uh, did certainly not uh, lead to an, a reduction in weight gain uh, at all. Uh, but as you showed, uh, maybe it's something to consider in people uh, that have dyslipidemia, uh, as it appears to uh, reduce that uh, modestly compared to uh, the other regimen uh, that you saw in that uh, in that slide. Uh, obviously, we need to be conscious of the fact that when we try dolutegravir 3TC, there shouldn't be any acquired uh, drug resistance uh, in those patients that we do that on. Now, another possibility uh, is to consider one of the newer uh, non-nucleoside uh, uh, reverse transcriptase inhibitors, for example, the uh, Um This trial, Drive Forward, was a randomized double-blind phase three trial uh, that uh, assessed the people who was antimyelin AE uh, in terms of uh, uh, whether they would benefit from uh, uh, the uh, in combination with two investigator um, 
uh, chosen uh, nucleoside analogs uh, 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 compared to people that was randomized to uh, the ritonavir in combination again with two nucleoside. Uh, uh, what is important is that the trial was designed in such a way uh, that the patients were followed on the allocated medicine for 96 weeks. Biologically, the two arms behaved fairly similarly uh, with similar uh, high proportion who is biologically suppressed. What was uh, interesting uh, was that in the first 96 uh, weeks, in those allocated to, to reverie, uh, a slightly increased uh, weight increase compared to people randomized to the renovir ritonavir, although the weight increases were modest. Uh, Interestingly, for those who is, uh, uh, then switched the, uh, day, uh, at week uh, 96 uh, to uh, rubberine, you also see a weight increase there. For those originally randomized to, to rubberine, you see a slight increase in lipids uh, compared to the state prior to starting treatment. But quite impressively, for those who were originally randomized to rubberine, once they uh, experienced and did the switch uh, to, to rubberine, you see uh, a reduction in lipids compared to an increase uh, in the early part of the study. So this is a possibility, again, for people uh, with the perturbed dyslipidemia. Uh, uh, Importantly as well, when we consider uh, drugs uh, that needs pharmacological boosting, uh, and just this is really a reminder uh, uh, that the, the combination of uh, medicines uh, uh, is slightly more complicated due to drug-drug interactions, uh, in particular for uh, uh, common antihypertensive, but also uh, for drugs in other uh, drug classes. Wonderful. That was an excellent uh, overview of the studies. So the DHHS uh, guideline recommendations to summarize are some of the following points, and we've talked about a lot of these. Namely, the significant weight gain may occur with all ARV regimens, but it is likely more pronounced with dalitegravir, bisotegravir, and TAP. So, of course, the discussion with the patient on lifestyle modifications, dietary interventions should be performed. ARV-associated weight gain should be a factor to consider, particularly when initiating or changing ART in uh, Black women. To date, it is unclear whether switching to a non-integrase uh, regimen will result in reversal of weight gain. And as uh, Jens and I had discussed, the underlying mechanism for this weight gain, the association of cardiovascular diabetes, pregnancy outcomes, and other age-related comorbidities in women with HIV remains currently unknown. So the key take-home points uh, from this session, as you heard, weight gain is more pronounced among persons initiating ART than those who's already on ART. Uh, um, and it is unclear uh, if this reflects a return to health versus a drug effect, although there appears to be clearly also a drug effect, uh, but certainly other, other factors as well. Risk factors associated with weight gain include uh, antiviral uh, uh, medications, including integrase inhibitors and TAF, as well as non-antiviral uh, treatment uh, risk factors such as BMI status, uh, those underweight or with low BMI female patients, as well as uh, uh, black persons. Obesity link, uh, is linked to traditional metabolic uh, comorbidities, for example, insulin resistance, dyslipidemia, and hypertension. Uh, but we do uh, lack data in people with HIV, um, uh, and this is a remaining and ongoing active area of research. 
What is really important is that healthcare professionals should treat the metabolic disturbances that they observe as they're treating patients with the different medications. Um, and also reflect on, at, at the moment, there's little evidence to support changing ART to reduce weight gain, but some changes may benefit uh, some of the metabolic uh, comorbidities, and we have tried to illustrate that. So let's get back to the case we uh, Priscilla presented early on. So Priscilla, we have a problem here, uh, at least a potential problem, uh, because the patient is complaining of weight gain. The BMI have increased from 23 to 26, and you have calculated that the 10-year risk of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease events have increased from 6.6% to 10.3%. What, what would you consider here uh, when you see that patient in front of you um, uh, differently than just continue on antibiotic treatment the way the patient is? Well, thanks, Jens, for circling back to this case. As you recall, this individual had a 10.3% calculator risk using the ACCHA cohort equations. Um, so with respect to his traditional risk factors, I think it's very critical to continue to monitor his blood pressure, monitor his cholesterol, as well as his weight over time. Um, if his blood pressure continues to be high, I would consider starting antihypertensive medications. His LDL is now 92, and because HIV is considered a risk enhancer, consideration of starting statin therapy could definitely be um, started in this individual or discussed as well. I think the final thing I discussed is uh, aspirin use. Um, with respect to primary prevention, the use of aspirin is, is falling out of favor somewhat. We also discussed a lot about different uh, antiretroviral regimens and weight gain. At this point, there's probably not enough data to consider switching this patient to an alternative regimen. However, over time, if the weight gain issue continues to be a problem, the consideration of switching to dolutegravir and 3TC in the TANGO study could be considered, as well as using uh, Deravarine in the dry forward study. Thank you very much to Dr. Priscilla Sue and Dr. Jens Lundgren, and thank you to our listeners for joining in. As a reminder, to view the full state-of-the-art applying up-to-date safety and tolerability data to individualized HIV care program on the Clinical Care Options website, click on the link in the show notes for this episode. And please be sure to check back for more episodes on important infectious disease topics. Thank you. Thank you.